This is Cade Massey, practice professor at the Wharton School. On this week's Wharton Moneyball Highlights, we talked to Joshua Pope. Josh is the co-founder and CEO of Traject Sports out of Canada. They have the next generation pitching machine, in short, a pitching robot. Phenomenal machine that they've put together, really changing what batters can do, what clubs can do. Even we learn at the end, surprisingly, what pitchers can do. A lot of fun talking this week with Joshua Pope. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball here on SiriusXM. This is Cade Massey hosting this week, this early August. We're into August now, August 1st. We're recording the show. We'll go up on August 2nd. Hosting with Shane Jensen and Eric Bradlow, two of my longtime collaborators here on Wharton Moneyball, Audi Weiner. The third and final of the four co-hosts is out this week. He will be back. We are on now with Josh Pope. Joshua Pope is the co-founder and CEO of Traject. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Traject Sports. We're here to talk about what Traject Sports is. We have been relatively late to the game here. We've learned of these guys only this summer, but as soon as we learned about them, we had to go talk to them because gracious, if you've seen their product it's fun and exciting, and we're glad you made some time for us today, Josh. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So we're talking about what in previous days would have been called a pitching machine. I think Josh is going to say, hey, this thing's more than a pitching machine. We like to call it, what do you like to call it, Josh? To give us the full title here. Yeah, so it's Traject Arc, um, and it's a pitching robot in our mind. Uh, and the way we've designed our machine or or what you would think of as a conventional pitching machine is in a way that we can actually replicate the exact pitch produced by any MLB or any tracked pitcher. Um, so yeah, there's 12 degrees of freedom, a lot of, I'd say over 14 motors in the system. And uh, for us that uh, crosses the boundary into robot territory. Okay. All right. Pitching robot. So I think the, the, to the outsider, there are two defining qualities first, just the visual is completely different. Um, you've got a screen that shows the picture. And you, so you see the whole wind up, or I'm presuming you can see a stretch if you want them out of the stretch. And so the batter has a much more natural response time. He can, he or she can be reading off of the picture, the wind up motion. And then the release point, this thing moves around. So you can actually, you can actually adjust the video. So the release point is realistic. Well, that's one feature. That's the obvious feature that jumps out. But then you're talking about being able to tailor the pitch according to what you know about a guy's pitches. Um, and you, and I, I read an article from 21 by Travis Sachek, which you know you should always read Sachek, but especially on this topic. And it's um, he says that your initial idea really kind of came from TrackMan data, where where you realize, look, if we can, if we know what these pitches do, shouldn't we be creating using those data to create those pitches to train the batters? And so it's you t- tell us what your degrees of freedom are. I said 12 degrees of freedom here. What are the different ways that you can shape a pitch? Yeah. So there's kind of four main uh, items that we look at or, or four uh, main variables. That's the release position, the release velocity, the release angular velocity or like the net spin and the spin direction um, and the ball's orientation. So each of those four items in the real world has three degrees of freedom or, or, or an X, Y, and Z 
uh, component to it. So that's why you get like the three times four. Um, and our machine controls actually 11 of 12 degrees of freedom. The only direction we don't control is moving the machine towards home plate. So that would be conventionally thought of as the release extension. Uh, but what we do do is take the uh, wheel-based machine and we move it left, right, up and down for the release position X and Z. So that's your release side, your release height. Yeah. And then we take a conventional pitch head, except we strap on a bunch of novel features, one of which being the ball feed mechanism, the ball hoppers that you know loads 100 balls in a carousel, drops one end at a time. There's a camera at the back and it reorients your pitch. So if you're doing a two seam or a four seam um, or messing with uh, around with seam shifted wake, you can actually program your pitch to be released from any configuration. Conventionally yeah. with a pitching machine, you drop a ball in and however you drop it in, yeah, it yeah. rolls a bunch and then it, it, it gets thrown out. Um, and then from the um, hey, Josh, state real, real side. Quick, on, do, you, do you go yeah. anywhere without a baseball? Y'all don't know, but Josh just picked up a baseball, which was right in front of him and started rotating the seams as he talked to us. Do you go anywhere in life without a baseball these days? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, I do a lot of travel to, to see pregame sessions and, and meet with our clubs and work with hitting coaches and players. And, and uh, always through airport security, I have two balls. One is <laughs> the, the Rawlings Pro Ball, and one is usually we have, uh, we've integrated with the machine, what we call our Rawlings calls the L10 training ball. And um, it was funny, the first like 10 trips, I could see every, every time I go through security, I get stopped because the core of these baseballs is a, is a cork pill. And they just didn't, they couldn't identify it. Yeah. But in the past six to eight months, they stopped, they uh, stopped stopping me at security. So I think that <laughs> I've traveled enough that the word uh, is out. Hang in things. At, right. least, uh, at least in the Toronto airport, they don't stop me as much. <laughs> well, they, they've probably got you pretty well profiled at this point, Josh. Josh is based yeah. out of Toronto from Toronto. Um, and let's just say before we go any further that this isn't just a, a hacker's garage project. It might have started that way in some way, but they are well into the MLB now and beyond into Japan as well. I think you had something like seven machines out or seven adopters anyway, last year, you're up to 14, 13, 14 this year. And they've moved beyond their major league parks down into the minor system. So, I mean, you're talking about pushing half the league. How has that gone for you? And critically, what are you hearing back from teams as they start using this machine? Yeah, so those numbers are all correct. We have 25 net machines in the field distributed across 14 teams. Um, in 2021, we released our first prototype and we received a lot of great feedback, uh, one of which is how important the timing of the projector is with the release because that's the cue that every batter gets to do all of their loading off of, right? right. Um, all the swing decisions happen within 400 milliseconds from release to the ball reaching home plate. And only a portion of that is uh, actually interpreted by the batter because the brain takes some time to process these signals and then, you know, implement the biomechanics. So timing is critical. I think we've known that for a while in baseball. Uh, we polish that down and have sub frame level control. So we actually have teams specify exactly what video they want to see and the exact frame that they want the ball to come out of. And so there's pretty much an advanced video editing feature that that comes embedded with the web portal that connects you to the robot. 
and I think across those 25 machines, we have over uh, 6,500 videos uploaded. So that's wind up and stretch of various pitchers, various different pitch types. Um, and as new players get added to rosters, uh, new pitchers get added to the uh, database for each of these clubs as well, which is which is interesting. But yeah, generally the feedback has been uh, extremely positive. Out of the seven teams that were adopters in 22, five of them added one or more machines to their player development complex out in spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a team purchase, or, or I should say lease, we offer our machines on a leasing model, lease uh, five machines, um, and we've seen widespread adoptions through through the organizations that were early, um, and even teams that are inquiring today are looking for more than just one uh, okay. machine. Okay. How kind of uh, adaptive in real time is the robot? Like, can you, it sounds like it's it's still a little bit of work to kind of like be like, oh, we want a particular, pl- you know, pitcher with a particular release point. Can I say something like, oh, I want to simulate an entire at bat from Pedro Martinez, which would be a mix of flat fastballs and changeups, or is that something like, is that something you can just kind of like, if you had it, Pedro Martinez already in your like software system, could you just roll that out in real time? Or would that take a lot of kind of manual curation? Yeah. So normally what, what we've done traject is build a portal, uh, a web app. You go online at trajectsports.app and you can log into your machine and into your uh, uh, account and what we've seen most teams do is create a folder uh, for every uh, team. And within that folder, you have starters and relievers, and they normally enable, uh, label their folders by, by pitcher. And you have the specificity that you can take an exact previous at-bat and upload those exact pitches with the correct release slot, oh my with God. the oh my correct God. plate location, with the correct movement data. You can do that level of specificity, but the Hawkeye data won't be available the same night as the game. It'll be available the next day. So there is a little bit of damp, like lag time with when the data is available from StatCast. So hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to stop there. That's just, we have to stop there. That's just so ridiculous. And, and it's, what have you heard from people? Cause now you're saying a guy can get struck out on Tuesday night by a particular guy in a particular inning on a particular set of pitches. And the next day he can take that same at bat, according to your model, according to your machine that will one, it's a phenomenal idea. It's fantastic. To what extent does, do they feel like with the people who have put themselves in that situation, to what extent do they feel like it actually replicates the, the at bat? I know we're talking yeah, to I the mean, founder and the chief sales, yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. I get that. But all <laughs> the same, let me ask the question. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would say that we have very avid users at each of our clubs. Uh, on average, six to seven players on each team use this regularly as a tool, usually prior to the game. It's one thing to say, look, um, you know, Scherzer got me on that, that curveball and it was nasty at 22 inches of vertical break and I want to see it again. And, you know, maybe if you're divisionally and it's an ace, you might go ahead and do that. But a lot of times, uh, at least MLB players are forward thinking. They're trying to get, you know, uh, an understanding of the timing of an opponent coming up. They're not really often dwelling on at-bats unless it's like an hour after the game. What we've seen a lot of is someone gets kicked out of a game and they're all hyped up and ready to play. And they, they want to take 120 swings off traject because they're a little bit fed up. These are all stars around the league. And 
And what we're hearing from certain coaches is like, we couldn't, we couldn't get them off the machine. We're telling them to go home. They, they're, they're just loving using it. So uh, for those players, do you have it's like not, an extra, it's not a tool to, sorry, you need sorry. extra flexibility where they have like the release of regular, you know, bad pitchers, but like the video of Angel Hernandez or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to get them a little bit more hyped up and amped up to hit. So uh, yeah, it's, that's, uh, we're hearing a lot of that. Yeah. So Josh, I was just wondering, um, I would think if I were a potential client of a product like this, I would want some sort of, I don't know, let's call it randomized experiment or something that compares, let's call it the non-robotic option to the human option and basically show it either has greater efficacy, same efficacy, worse efficacy, or whatever it's going to show. What have you guys done from a, let's call it proof of concept and using statistical principles, whether it's, you know, randomized experiments, experimental design, what types of outcomes do you look at, et cetera? Yeah. And in the early days, it was a lot proving that the trajectories we replicated matched one-to-one with the intended trajectory. So like validation on the efficacy of the tool uh, insofar as we could claim that we're replicating pitches. So that's, you know, what's the standard deviation of the speed, the spin, the plate location. And we have a lot, a lot of data collected there. And, and we've cross-referenced with Rapsodo, who we're partnered with, with TrackMan, with Hawkeye, the bullpen units. And we have a whole bunch of data there and with varying degrees of um, measurement error based on the system that you choose to use. And and uh, we're really happy with those results. And actually, with the lease of every one of our products, we actually have tech specifications that that specify exactly how good we can control your speed and spin to three-dimensional spin axis. Um, so it's something like, you know, within one and a half miles per hour and 250 RPM. Um, and that corresponds to about four-inch standard deviation at the plate. So we're really happy with that. But I think more along the lines, what you're getting at is how do you know if I'm a GM or if I'm a, um, a scouting director or if I'm a hitting coach around the league, how do we know that using Traject is, you know, more, more beneficial to the organization or more beneficial as a pregame tool than, you know, hitting off a tee, doing soft toss or hitting off a conventional pitching machine. Um, and that's where we are, we are kind of a little bit tighter lift just based on some of the confidentiality we have with our clubs on what data is collected and how it's stored. Um, but what we can say is uh, we track the number of runs generated uh, off opponent pitchers where the arc is used. Um, and what we try to do is because the arc is always used at a home stadium, it's not super portable. It's a fixed installation in a lane you're getting all of the runs generated usually at home games versus away games, which has a small bias. So we're, we're trying to do our best to remove all the other conflating variables to, to, you know, determine how many additional runs are scored uh, in the first three innings using the arc versus not using the arc. Um, And that's like something that we internally track to, but not something we've published or, or made publicly available as of yet. Okay, I'm going to ask a clarifying question on that. Shane's trying to get in. Let me just clarify on this one because the way you're, well, one, your first answer was setting aside outcomes, we can provide objective measurements of whether we're doing what we say we can do. And so that alone, you're probably going to do better than other pitching machines given your ability to do that. Just our priors would suggest that. But then you go past that and answer Eric's question about outcome differences. 
And what you focus on is home first three innings. So that suggests that the principal advantage, or at least the one you're choosing to measure here, is in prep for a particular pitcher. And and I, I so it's it's specific to a pitcher as opposed to general batting training. Is that the way you think? How how, how much general benefits would go to a batter from working with machines like this versus it really is focused on who you're going to face tonight or tomorrow? Yeah, I think one of the reasons we focus on specific pitchers is the widespread adoption initially was with major league clubs because of the price point, like building a robot with 14 uh, motors and the complexity that is required to replicate human pitching is, is costly from a pure materials and motor control perspective. And GMs taking a risk looking for ROI, see the largest ROI um, providing this tool to major league players who are paid millions of dollars a year to, to see outcomes. And that's kind of why we, we have more data, at least in 2022, when we started measuring this, we had more data on usage by uh, MLB players. That being said, um, this year, between April and the end of July, the stadium units use on average or have thrown on average 8,000 pitches. So that's something like 150 pitches before each game. Whereas the player development complexes, spring training units have thrown 40,000 pitches between uh, the start of spring training, which is let's say Feb 1 or sometime early Feb uh, to July 31st. That's five times the amount of pitches are being thrown at spring training compared to the home stadium. And what we can what we can say about these spring training units is that hitting at game speed is challenging, right? It takes a lot. It's, it takes a large toll on you know your your body, your mental, your mentally need to be dialed in. If you know you're looking at someone like Chapman throwing over a hundred, or any other pitcher in the league that's throwing with heavy heat, um, you kind of need to ramp up into it. You got to start with 70, 75, Maybe do some bat flips first. Maybe you're off the tee, and then you're leveling up. What we see a lot of times with the spring training units is that a new prospect can use it. Someone who's being placed at a uh, minor league affiliate can use it. Someone during rehab who's ramping up, getting back into game speed can use the machine. And instead of having the specificity of replicating an exact pitcher, we have embedded 15 generic pitchers with varying levels. So some collegiate level play, um, some low A, some high A players that come out of the box useful with the arc um, that we've made available through player cards. And we're seeing, as I said before, five times more usage there. So one of the things we were able to measure early with all these clubs and LV stadiums was the results off, you know, specific pitchers, which we knew teams were using to practice against before the game. But we have five times more data to now make more widespread conclusions onto the general efficacy of how how is this affecting yeah, launch angles or hard hit average, et cetera. A couple of final questions before we have to cut you loose. And I, I feel like you're, you're one of these guests we could talk to for a long time, but a couple questions. One is, can you at all characterize what it is about a club that leads them to be interested in this? So you had seven early adopters last year. You've got half the league now without naming names. What would you say are the key organizational factors that lead to adoption of this particular technology? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think across the league, you have organizations that focus R&D budgets or player development budgets in different areas. 
Um, I think historically, if you're a team that made an investment in biomechanics technologies for tracking, you know, pitcher biomechanics during the game or, or in the lab, and you already had a lab set up and were, were inclined to use technology as a player development tool would be one area. I think another area would be sometimes just a, a, a deep playoff run that exits early uh, and a specific ace was, was really troubling for your batters. Oh, and wow. you're like, why, why was this so hard? Why was it so hard to hit off Max Freed? I think that was, uh, he was, he was pretty incredible in that 2021, uh, uh, Braves, Braves title. And, uh, we had, we had a few teams come in just being like, what's, what's so difficult about his pitches. <laughs> um, so they just wanted to see it. And then once you come in and see it, uh, I think that, that, 2021 off season, we had eight teams come and see the machine, seven of which converted. Right. So it was, it was one of those things that if we could get you to fly up to Canada and cross the border and you had a yeah. demo, we were likely to convert the, the eighth team actually is now an adopter. They just couldn't get the budget for that year. Right. Um, so right. there's, there's various things that could be the impetus for, for an investment in, in pitch replication. But I think, you know, some teams want to be, um, known as forward thinking and, and be ahead of the curve on technology. Some teams actually use Traject as a tool to um, incentivize players to sign with their organization, um, especially in the early days. Like if you come play with team our team, well, you get to use this this cool machine that no one else has. And and in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, that was that was definitely real, right? Um, and international scouting was affected by it. Um, come, come hit off, you know, come, come play for our team. We, we can actually show you what Verlander looks like before the game. Yeah, I mean, right. that's, uh, that's an enticing thing to hear, uh, when, when your compensation is directly tied to your performance. And, and, uh, a lot of players were, were, were really happy to see that insofar as we've actually had quite a bit of reach out from players on clubs that do have machines saying that. They want one for their home in the off season, or they want one for the training facility that they use during the off season. So uh, that's been, uh, that's been pretty cool as well. All right. Uh, last, well, funny you mentioned Verlander. I, I would say the Yankees need it, but they probably already have it given the trade that happened today, but I don't know, maybe not. Maybe the Yankees aren't going to go that far uh, in the playoffs. So maybe it's not relevant to those guys. New question. Final question. How have the pitchers responded to this thing? Who's is anybody is anybody whinging at you given the tool that you've developed? We had a, a Cy Young nominee who on initial install date was not too happy, but, uh, <laughs> but we, we smoothed it over. I think initially we've, we've had reactions on both sides. We've had pitchers that are like, this is the coolest thing ever. I've never seen my change up from a batter's perspective. Can I stand? Please put me on the machine. I want to see myself. Um, One of the other aspects of the machine is is pitch design. So you can program, you know, Jordan Romano, let's stick with the Jays. um, Just as an example, you could program his, his, his four seam, you could program his slider. um, But you can also take that pitch data and press edit pitch. And in edit pitch, you could change the seam orientation by 10 degrees. You could change the spin axis by, 10 degrees or 200 or 500 RPM and actually observe how that affects the yeah. trajectory. Yeah. And as a pitching coach, you could say, Hey, Jordan, if we work on, on your grip, or if we work on your, your, um, your, your pitches, 
or your slider, your fastball, whatever it is, and we're able to see a gain of 200 RPM, that's going to result in a, uh, two inches of break at the plate. And there's a real incentive now for pitchers to, to work, to work towards, um, you know, creating a more deceptive pitch because they can see what that result will look like before they actually Amazing. make those changes. And, and uh, we've had a lot of, I don't yeah, that's great. They, but presumably there are models that could have told them, you know, like what, what's the margin that they could work on that would make the biggest difference, but then it would still just be theoretical for to be able, they could actually go stand in the box and see like what they're doing now versus what happens if they make this tweak. It's really, yeah. really remarkable. Yeah, like, Josh, we got to let you go, too, right? man, like, but thank you. Thank <laughs> you for the time. Hope to talk to you more. We didn't even get into, we, we don't really talk business very often, but your story actually raises lots of interesting business questions. The cost of this sounds like expensive to do. You had got capital from somewhere. You've made a decision to lease rather than sell. That's an interesting decision. So lots of entrepreneurial type stuff behind there, but we'll have to call it a day for now. Thank you for making time for us. I appreciate for having me on. Thank you all. Absolutely. Josh Pope, Traject Sports co-founder, CEO. They have created a pitching robot that has about 50% penetration into the MLB. And it feels like that's just the beginning. That has been Wharton Moneyball here on SiriusXM. For the whole team, Shane Jensen, Eric Bradlow, they've been with me through the whole thing. For Adi Weiner in absentia. For our boss man, Matty Das. For our associate boss man, Dion Simpkins. Dion, we love you. Thanks for all the help. For you guys for listening, appreciate it. Come back and join us next time. Between now and then, enjoy your sports. <laughs>